Welcome back to the One Voice, Nothing New Under the Sun podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. Every day people retire, and likewise, every day people join the workforce. Because of this, young people are constantly finding themselves placed in positions of leadership and authority over people who are far older than themselves. And this happens not just in the workplace, but also in churches, in politics, and in very many other parts of our lives. When this happens, though, the older and presumably wiser people often tell us young people to wait our turn and that we're too young and inexperienced to handle all of these responsibilities that come with leadership. Does history in the Bible say this? Or do they also insinuate that young people should wait and not make waves because we're too inexperienced or too young? Or do they show by precept and example that even though we're young, we have what it takes to lead? You are listening to the One Voice, Nothing New Under the Sun podcast, where we seek to apply biblical and historical knowledge to today's problems. Join me on this journey through the past to demystify our present. I want you to imagine something with me. You're a young person who steps out to lead an initiative on something because you see that things are not getting done as they should. Yet, instead of your elder support, all you receive from them is denunciation because of your age or lack thereof. You might hear something like, you're too young, or maybe wait till you graduate before giving your opinion on this issue. Or the worst one, I'm older than you, so I know what to do. Just sit down and be quiet. Unless you're saying you know more than me. All of these phrases, and many like them, are often heard by young people trying to make a difference in this world. And while there is a place for the wisdom of the aged, there is also a place for the energy and vision of the youth. Before we go further into this topic, I would like to pray for the Holy Spirit's leading in our study today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to study this topic. Please help us to understand how history and how the Bible show us clearly what young people are capable of and how young people and adults should work closely together. Please also enable our topic to be interesting and entertaining. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, young people had a huge turnout in participation in the democratic process of this country. Young voter turnout in the 2022 midterms was massive relative to recent years, with almost a full 30% of Generation Z turning to the polls. This is the second highest turnout for young voters in the last 30 years. And not only did young people turn out to vote, we also ran for office in increasingly larger numbers than previously. Some people have been supportive of this new young wave in the political realm. Others, though, when seeing the increasing number of young politicians and voters, feel that things are not as they should be. Some of them are going so far as to push to raise the voting age all the way up to 21 years of age, arguing that people under that age are not mature enough to vote or to hold political office. Others, on the opposing side of the issue, are trying to push the voting age all the way down to 16. They argue that as long as someone is able to legally work and be taxed on their earnings, they should have representation in the legislative bodies of our country. Otherwise, they agree, it is tantamount to taxation without representation, something that is most definitely unjust. 
What does history show about young leaders, though? Does it show that they cause a nation to fall? Or does it show that young people cause a country, a church, a business to grow in prosperity? The biggest thing that we have to realize when looking at the history of young leaders is that throughout most of history, the idea of a teenager not being mature is a fairly new concept. Take, for instance, John Quincy Adams, the son of John Adams, the first vice president of the United States. He was only an early teen, around 13, when he was made the secretary to the ambassador in Russia by his father. Or another example is John Paul Jones, who was a privateer or basically a pirate captain who was known as the father of the American Navy. He became a sailor once again at around 12 or 13. These examples show clearly that this focus on waiting for some age range after the teens in order to do great work was not something that was historically required or even expected. This still doesn't tell us whether or not this was a good idea. It simply tells us that it happened. This next example, though, I'm sure will. Because I'm sure you've heard of the group dubbed the Little Rock Nine, who uh, went into the Central High School of Little Rock, Arkansas, and helped to desegregate it by being the first nine black students in that historically white school. And this historical example focuses on one of their number in particular, Elizabeth Eckford. In her book titled The Worst First Day, Bullied While Desegregating Central High, she tells a little of her backstory. And the part that is important to our topic at hand is that she says she signed up to be part of the desegregation effort without her parents or any other adult's consent. She goes further to say that when her parents found out, they were furious with her. Now, while this decision caused her a lot of grief in both the short and long term, being that she had PTSD afterwards, if she and the other eight had waited for the go-ahead from the adult in their lives, we may never have had a desegregated Arkansas, or at the very least, it would have taken a much longer time for that school in Arkansas to be desegregated. And this isn't an isolated event in history either. Because as we go through the different protests, the different reforms, or even in some cases revolutions, almost all of them were spearheaded by young people, even sometimes against the advice of their elders. Now, this isn't to say that the elders of society should have no say in what the young people do, but it is to say that young people have a fire to change things that the older folk just don't have anymore. The best example of the elders and young people working together properly can be found in the establishment of our country itself. Because while the average age of the delegates to the Constitutional Convention were 42, some of the most influential delegates were in their 30s. And there were even four delegates that were in their 20s. And in case anyone is concerned that the balance of power was shifted almost fully towards the young people, some of the most well-known members of that convention were over 50, like George Washington or... Benjamin Franklin. And it is only by combining the energy and drive of the younger delegates with the wisdom, experience, and caution of the older ones that this country was able to come together to create the amazing document that has been the bedrock of our government and has endured the test of time. Another example that shows this working together of the aged with the young is the civil rights movement of this country. 
Now, I've already talked about the Little Rock Nine and how they went ahead without the consent of their parents or the older adults in their life. But I want you to remember that the greater civil rights movement of this country had the elders working with the youngers as far as to make this country a more to make this country more racially diverse and racially just. For instance, the elder Rosa Parks, who was 42, is not really an elder, was working with the much younger Martin Luther King Jr., who was around 26, to stage a bus boycott in Alabama. Or the seven leaders of the March on Washington, men like A. Philip Randolph, worked with men many years or younger like John Lewis to push for the proper treatment of black people in this country in that march. Or even the original 13 Freedom Riders who, while mostly composed of young people, were nonetheless aided by those of more mature years throughout the whole process. And if it wasn't for those elders fighting for their legal freedom and even going so far as to negotiate with the governor of Alabama for their safety, in the case of U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, this ride may have ended on a far more sober note than it did. And as we go further into the history of this movement and others like it, that really shook the foundations, morals, or status quo of a nation, we begin to see the same thing happening over and over and over again. Young people taking stands and pushing things forward while the older people are supporting from behind and guiding. This is the only way in which anything of substance gets done in lines of government or even the church. Because if it wasn't for the young reformers of the Middle Ages, we still wouldn't have religious liberty and wouldn't have access to the Bible in our native language. And yet, even with those young reformers, the older nobles were the ones who had to protect these young theologians in their pursuit of truth. Let's take the most famous reformer, Martin Luther himself. The only reason that he didn't die of anything besides natural causes was that the elector who ruled over the area surrounding Wittenberg, where Luther lived, Elector Frederick of Saxony, believed in what Luther had to say and protected him to the best of his considerable abilities. Compare that to the contemporary reformer in Switzerland named Zwingli. He also was following the trail of truth, but he didn't have an elder protecting him, and that led to his untimely death on the battlefield. Now, while he wasn't a young person at the time that he died, being 47, it still shows a distinction between an elder protecting and a younger person leading versus a younger person leading by himself. And even when he gets older, it still leads to a less of an impact on the world, as Wingley doesn't have a denomination or anything like that. He has less of an impact on the world than someone like Luther, who was protected by an elder so that he was able to pursue truth fully. And the Bible also teaches the same idea, that the youth are the ones who will push reforms through and make them mainstream, while the elders are to participate by adding their wisdom, their guidance, their support, and even in some cases, their protection. For instance, 1 John 2.14 lets us know what the role of the youth and of the elders is in the church. I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, 
and ye have overcome the wicked one. So we have this difference between the knowledge of the fathers and the strength of the young men. And Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6 tells us about the characteristics of the church in the last days. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So in the final day before the great and dreadful coming of God, it says that the hearts of the fathers and the children will work together. And that is one of the characteristics of the church in the last days. But we young people aren't simply to wait to be given a voice by our elders because it says that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. We're not simply to wait until the fathers give us a chance to speak. The word of God tells us in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 that that's not how it should be. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So we are called to be an example of the believers. Not eat, not just when we are given the go-ahead, but we aren't to let anyone despise our youth. We're not to let anybody look down on us because we're young. We're supposed to be the premier example of what a believer can be, even though we are young. But if you think that's all you were called to do, think again. Because Timothy, the young man that he was, that this book that we just read is written to, he was also called to preach the word. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. It says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So not just be an example by living what we know to be true, but we are called to speak what we know to be right, even if the elders feel that it's not our season to speak yet. In season and out of season. Even if they thought it wasn't his time yet, God told Timothy to speak. And God tells us as young people to speak, even if no one believes it's our time or our season yet. And to those who feel unqualified because they're young, God has a word for us too. In Jeremiah 1 verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. The reason why we're not supposed to consider ourselves children is because if we know that God is sending us, he will have our back, so to speak. Verse 8 of the same chapter tells us, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. So don't be afraid of the opinions and the judgments and the ideas of the elders that you are too young, because God is with you. If you are speaking what you know to be right, with all long-suffering and doctrine. And there are many examples in scripture of young people being leaders set up by God. For instance, we have Daniel who was captured as a late teen, some say 17, 16. And within three years, he became the leader of the wise men of Babylon. His leadership can be rec is recorded in Daniel 2 verse 48. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, the whole of chapter 2 is where Daniel is given a dream in order to tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream, in order to save the wise men of Babylon's life. 
And he does this all at the tender age of around 20, 19, 20. And then he is given by God, he's placed there by God to be leader over all of Babylon and over all the wise men of Babylon. Or Joseph, who was sold into slavery as once again a late teen, and by the time he is 30, he is made second in command of all of Egypt. Genesis 41, verses 40 and 41. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee before all the land of Egypt. Even Jesus, our Lord and Savior, only lived on this earth until he was 33 and a half years old before he was crucified. That means for his entire ministry, he was a young person. There is never a time or place when young people have no right to their voice. And anyone making an effort to stop a young person from making their voice heard is someone who is overstepping the boundaries of their authority. Acts 4 verse 20 is what young people today should answer to those who would try to stop them from speaking because of their age. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We ought to obey God rather than man, is what the apostle said after that. So God calls every youth to speak boldly for what they know is right in every arena and under every circumstance. And he calls the older members of society to support and encourage and add their wisdom to the strength of purpose that the young have. Only if it does this will the nation have the strength it should. And only if it does this will the church have the strength it should and be the light that it should be. The voice of the young is filled with strength and vigor. The voice of the aged is wise yet filled with rigor. Both together create a balance. Both together create a nation or church full of valor. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come to you. And thank you for this study that we've had. Please help it to have been enlightening or even just thought-provoking or entertaining. Please help us to Please help us to understand and put into practice what we've learned today. And please help the older people to accept the thoughts and opinions and voice of the young people. And please give us the holy boldness to speak, even if the older people say it's not our time yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I hope this episode was informative, thought-provoking, or even just entertaining. If you enjoyed it, make sure to share it with your friends and family. Oh, and please leave a review if you had any strong reaction to what I've shared, whether good or bad. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, Commenting on the video and liking it will help get it in front of more people. And last but not least, thank you for listening, and may the truth prepare the way for the soon coming of our Lord.